Hey, Rarecast listeners, I wanted to tell you about a new program from Global Genes called Data DIY. Access to data is essential for advancing the understanding and treatment of rare diseases. The challenge for patient advocates and organizations is to be as savvy about data as researchers and clinicians. The Global Genes Data DIY program teaches organization leaders how to become empowered data owners and stewards. If you'd like to learn more about the program, attend an upcoming Data DIY workshop, or view resources, go to globalgenes.org forward slash data DIY. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Disorder, the Rare Disease Film Festival, features films from around the world that capture the challenges of life with a rare disease. Launched in Boston in 2017, the festival will be held in San Francisco November 9th and 10th at the UCSF Mission Bay campus. We spoke to Bo Bigelow, co-founder of Disorder, about what's showing at this year's festival the power of film to raise awareness about rare disease, and how the event is intended to foster connections between patients and researchers. Bo, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about Disorder, the Rare Disease Film Festival, and how you and your festival co-founder, Daniel DeFabio, are using it not only to raise awareness about rare disease, but forge collaborations between patients and researchers. For listeners not familiar with your own story, how did you become involved in the world of rare disease? Well, uh, my daughter Tess has a, an ultra-rare disorder called USP7, and um, we, we found out about the gene in 2013, but back then nobody really knew much about the gene or what it did. And uh, it wasn't until a couple of years later, 2015, when uh, we managed to connect with a researcher who was looking into the gene and who already knew of, of seven other patients in the world. So my daughter, Tess, was number eight in the world. So it's, it's very rare. We're up to uh, 55 patients now. Um, but in 2015, what was great about that time is that literally within a few days of getting that diagnosis, um, I got on a plane and I went, I came out west. I came to Global Genes for the first time that year. And while I was there, I met uh, a guy named Daniel DeFabio. And at the time, we were both doing some writing. Um, he's a rare disease dad, too. And we were both writing about, about our children, about rare disease. And so we met at Global Genes. And and uh, and that was the beginning of the film festival, because Daniel is now my partner in the film festival. Well, the film festival consists of, of a lot of films that are made by parents like yourselves, not exclusively, but... What role do you think storytelling plays in the world of rare disease, and why does it matter? Storytelling, I think, is is the center of what we're doing right now with the festival and, and a lot of what I do, and I think that's because you have to make people care. You have to make people care about about your your loved one and, and the rare disease that you're dealing with and the, the life that you're 
that you're in because of rare. And I, I think because of how, how busy we are and how we're all kind of bombarded by, by, uh, by news and just a, a lot of information all the time, it, it's, it's not that easy to get through to people. And I think when you're able to really convey your life story in a, in a way that resonates with people and, and get them to slow down um, and, and really hear your story. Um, they don't have any choice but to care. You know, you, you, you leave them no option but to care and to get involved. We're in this interesting age where people have easy access to filmmaking tools, high-definition video on cell phones and digital cameras, easy-to-use editing software and, and platforms like Vimeo and YouTube to push content out. What is this enabling rare disease patients and their families to do in terms of telling their stories? Well, we're getting to a point, and it's a great, it's a great time to, uh, to be in this space because uh, everybody who wants to tell a story is suddenly able to do so, and they, like you say, are, are able to do that literally with their phone in their, in their kitchen. And, and there's a lot of resources online about lighting and sound and just you can teach yourself anything these days, right, with the Internet. And so a lot of these films, not all of them, but some of them are, are at least in part sort of a DIY kind of a project where, you know, they have a professional involved in terms of editing and, and sound and that sort of thing. But 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 a lot of the, the raw footage and a lot of the material for the films um, comes from people shooting it themselves or, you know, at least partnering with a professional to, to do a lot of the work themselves. And, yeah, that's what's so fun is that, a lot of these films that we're seeing are just really very—they're um, just honest. You know, you're—you you get the feeling that you're—you're you're right there in the person's house with them, and, and you're seeing what their day to day is like, and and uh, it's powerful. It's powerful. I'd argue a word processor and a keyboard doesn't make someone a writer. How challenging is it for someone to pick up these tools and, and use them to tell their story? Is it? deceptively easy or is it something that's fairly easy to do you know i'm glad you asked me that because my own film that i made uh, about my daughter um i intended to kind of do the whole thing myself and do a lot of the work myself and i i'm i'm really fortunate that daniel my festival um partner agreed to to partner with me on the, the my film as well and so he has done this for a long time he's in this business of of video and of production and so um you know things that i thought were acceptable and looked okay or sounded okay he, he would come along and, and do his thing and suddenly make it sound amazing and make the colors pop more and make it really look more professional so i think what i would say is it's, it's very easy to get started um you know maybe to do a lot of the, the writing and sort of the storyboard part yourself and figure out what your film looks like how you want it to hang together but when it's time to actually make it or, or do a finished product. Uh, it's really good to get involved with somebody who, who's done this before and who, who maybe, you know, is a friend or a relative and is willing to donate some time or, or do it for a discount. Um, because th those films, I think, if, if you start it yourself and you're able to, to do a lot of that work on the front end, people are really generous about, um, about helping out and about helping you to make it look professional and be the kind of thing that you could screen at a film festival like ours. Well, this year the film festival makes its way to San Francisco. The festival launched in Boston in 2017. What effects has the film festival had? Well, our goal from the beginning was to spur collaborations among 
the stakeholders in rare disease. What we wanted to do is fill the audience with a really good mix of patients and advocates and, and families, and then also get biotech and pharma there and uh, researchers and just get everybody in the room who who can work together to, to get cures and treatments to these rare disorders. And that happened in Boston. That was something we hoped would happen, and we weren't sure who would show up. Uh, we sold out most of the seats that uh, that year in Boston, and so the audience was full of this great mix. And and right before our eyes, we watched people meet and exchange business cards, and you know, people that we actually had known and invited, but we didn't know that they didn't know each other. It's like, oh, you guys haven't been talking. Oh, you guys have lots to discuss, you know. And so, seeing that happen in front of us, we just we were kind of hooked from that from the get-go with that, like, wow, we got to do this again. We, we need to make this happen. So that was the plan in heading out to San Francisco. We really, we, uh, both Daniel and I live within driving distance of Boston, and we have a lot of connections and friends in, in rare in that area, but we didn't really have so much of a connection um, to anybody out in, in um, the Bay Area. You know, we each knew a handful of people, but certainly not as many as we knew in Boston. And so our goal was to start over, really go somewhere kind of outside of our comfort zone and see see who's out there and try to connect with other people in a place that we know is sort of a an innovation hub and a, and a place where people are working on rare and where we want to be. And so that's why we decided to put the festival out there this time. Who do you expect to attend the San Francisco event? And how many films are you showing? How long do they run? We hopefully we're going to have the same situation as in Boston where we have you know, that same mix of people. Um, the festival itself is at Mission Bay Conference Center at UCSF, so we're already in touch with some researchers that we know at UCSF who are doing cutting-edge stuff, stuff like CRISPR, and uh, we're getting in touch with them and making sure that they come. Some of them are even going to speak um, as part of our program. We have over 50 films, and uh, we're really excited because we we think this is going to be, you know, the same as last time in terms of uh, you know, that energy and that, that collaboration spirit. And what's the runtime range on these films? Mostly we're finding that people are interested in slates of, of several short films. So a lot of things that are somewhere between, you know, five, six, seven, eight minutes, something like that. We have some that are a little bit longer, like more like half an hour. And then there are a couple that are more like feature length, like an hour or more. Um, and so it's, it's really a, a mix of, of all kinds of lengths, um, and it's really clear when you go to look at the tickets, like what you're what you're signing up for. We even have a slate that's called No Documentaries because we know not everybody likes docs, and so we want to offer something that's just narratives, like a totally different kind of um, you know experience. So yeah, it's a good it's a good range, and and we feel pretty good about people coming and being able to definitely find something that suits them in terms of length and material and, and content. And how are the films selected? Well, Daniel and I just, we open up submissions and we, we have a nice long submission period and we, we really try to get, um, as much as we can from all over the world, really. We have a lot of interesting, um, international stuff this time with some subtitles in there. And really we're looking for good stories, you know, like you and I were talking about earlier. I just feel like, you know, if we start to watch and, and, and it grabs us from the beginning and we really feel a connection to the, to the story in the film, the patient in the film, and we, especially if we feel moved, you know, there's a lot of emotion, I think, that you feel when you watch these films, um, you know, so a lot of the time, I'm a pretty emotional guy, so I find myself, you know, if I'm, if I'm at my keyboard and I'm crying and it's only a four-minute film, you've done a really good job <laughs> in moving me, and so you're, you're pretty much in if you're able to do that. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're really just looking for good stories and just trying to make it so it's not like a big commercial for something, but just, you know, honest stories about, about rare and what people are dealing with and, and some of the hard issues, some of the stuff that people deal with chronic pain and, and death and just some of the hard parts about it. Beyond the films, there are some panel discussions. What will take place during the discussions? Well, we're trying to offer uh, a lot of uh, just information to people. I think about what's going on with uh, with the technology these days. So some of it is about about the research that's being done, what people have found, because really in just the last two years um, since our last festival, a lot has changed. Um, the cost of some things like whole exome sequencing has come down. And so what people are able to do um, because of, of the technology is, is just amazing. And so we really want to share that with people. But also um, we want some some of the filmmakers are going to come also and do some Q&A after their um, session. And also some of the subjects of the films will be able to come and do some Q&A. So we also want our audience to be able to connect with those people. If, if they just watched a film that, you, that you've made or that you're in and they want to ask you about your experience, we just want to be able to let the audience relate to those people and and really, you know, ask whatever they want to ask, and and especially questions like how how do I do what you just did? You know, I'm a new, I'm a brand new 501c3 organization. You know, there's only 10 people in the world with my disease. Like, how do I get to where you are? How do I fundraise the way you fundraise? Like, how do I do this awareness campaign that you that you talk about in your film? How do I do this? Because that's one of the things that I love about working in rare disease is that pretty much everybody I deal with is very generous with their time. And with the work that they've done, they're ready to share share their homework. They don't really keep it a secret and say, "Ah, oh, figure it out yourself." And so they say, "Hey, if you if you want the form that I had to do, if you want the thing I had to file in order to make this happen, here it is. I'll email it to you. Here's the template." Like they don't hide it from you. They they share it. And so that's what I love about it is just this openness and this sharing. I wanted to ask you about a, a few of the films that that you are showing. A, a couple kind of jumped out and caught my eye. What is Ian? Ian, oh, that's an animated film, um, and it's one of a few that we chose for this festival that doesn't identify what the exact um, disease is that's represented. It's much more of just a sort of a universal experience across many diseases. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that one. It's a little under 10 minutes, and um, yeah, it's just, I think it's something that's really going to be good for pretty much anybody um, who's in this world and has ever felt excluded or, or marginalized or just, you know, people didn't have the reaction in public that you expected. Um, this is a great film for you to see. How about Unconditional? Unconditional is uh, one that actually Daniel and I produced. Um, we, after the last festival, we we're sitting at breakfast, literally like the day the festival ended. And we were trying to figure out what to do next. And we realized that there are 7,000 rare diseases in the world, but not all of them have a film. And we feel like all of them should have a film. That doesn't mean that we're going to make them all. And it doesn't mean that we could even watch them all. But we just feel like that as a, as a point that that should be the case, that every disease should have a film. And so we decided, well, let's find a disease that's rare and maybe doesn't have a film yet. And so we put out this call for entries. We just said, if you're out there, you're dealing with a disease and you're absolutely sure that there's no film yet, and we've kind of looked and not found one, shoot us a quick video. You know, nothing professional, just 
like you and I said earlier, the, the in your house with your phone kind of one minute um, video about your story, just who you are and what your disease is all about and how, how your life is. Just show us. Show us what you're all about and what your story is. And then we said whatever we felt like was a good fit, we were going to pick that disease and, and produce a film and hire a filmmaker. Um, we had a guy ready who had, who had contributed a film in 2017 and agreed to help us out with this project. We said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pay the filmmaker and we'll do all the, we'll, we'll produce this film basically for you. And so we did. We got some great entries from people and uh, some amazing stories. And uh, we found one that was a really good fit. The disease is called PAX1, P-A-C-S-1. And, uh, and we, we produced this video. So it's a, it's a, um, the focus of it, I think, is great in that uh, it's one of a couple films, actually, this year at the festival that talks about the sibling experience, the, the, the concept that, you know, you have, maybe you have your child who has their disease, but then you have a typical sibling. And it's like, how do you do that? How do you parent that child um, without, without letting them grow up too fast? Um, you know, without, you know, letting, basically letting them continue to be a kid, you know, if they're 12, 13 years old, you want them to be 12 or 13 and not feel this burden, um, maybe that, you know, that you and your spouse feel, you want them to just be able to be a kid and that's really hard to do. And so this film is about that. It talks about kind of the sibling experience and, and, uh, and about this family with PAX one. Um, so we're really excited about it. We, we finished, uh, the, the filmmaker finished making it this year. It, it showed uh, in Boston um, at a screening in September, but otherwise nobody has seen this. So we're kind of considering this like not the world premiere, but one of the you know one of the first showings of it um, in San Francisco. So we're really excited to show that one. The other film I wanted to ask you about was one from the Love Letters series. What is that? It's called Brick in the Wall, and um, it's about a disease called myotubular myopathy, and uh, it follows the the life of a, a boy named Joshua Fraze and his family's journey. They're trying to, they were trying to cure, uh, MTM. And, um, so it's, it's, uh, it's a really amazing story. I mean, I talked earlier about the science behind this and how quickly it's moved. And so, um, this is a beautiful film about hope, about that disease. I mean, I think a lot of the time we are showing films uh, about diseases that are just, um, brutal and and take people away from us way before their time and and you know there isn't always a message of hope in, in connection with those diseases and that's that's really hard but every so often that we're able to screen something where there actually is some hope where something's working and we can show that film and, and spread that hope I, and that's a really exciting thing for us to be able to do because it isn't always the case and this is one of those films it's, it's a beautiful film um about Joshua's parents and, and about, you know, what they did after Joshua passed away and how they stayed involved and how they kept working on this, even though, even though they had lost their son, that they kept going and, and just the, what they've been able to accomplish in the last few years. And so it's a, it's a gorgeous film. I think it's on just under 20 minutes, I want to say. And, uh, it's just, it's beautifully made. It's such a good story. I, I should note that your film, Tess, is not alone, a USP7 story and, Daniel DeFabio's Menke's Disease, Finding Help and Hope will also be shown. Are there any other films you'd highlight? Yeah, I would. Um, there's one called Kulut. Um, it's kind of hard to pronounce, but it's spelled K-U-L-U-T. Um, and that one's about a disease called Boring Opitz Syndrome. Um, 
So what I like about it is it's a Dutch film, so it's one of our international uh, selections. And um, what I like about it is the the question that the filmmaker is pursuing is uh, is just different and really interesting to me. It's so the filmmaker is the cousin of um, of the the person with the disease. So it's her cousin who has the disease, and she followed him and his family around for a while, shooting this film. And and the the primary question that she was trying to answer with this film is how how are you so happy like how do you stay so upbeat when this disease is so difficult and so taxing on you both uh you know physically but also mentally it's a it's a disease that has this child in a wheelchair and, and very dependent on them for a lot of things and but but nevertheless this couple is just joyful all the time in every frame of this film they're they're smiling and they're laughing and they're having a great time um, you know, with their son and with their relatives. And so that's what this filmmaker was trying to figure out. Like, how do you guys do this? How are you so happy? What's your secret? What's your secret to life if you're, if you're this happy about everything? So it's a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful film and it's kind of echoes a, a mantra that my wife and I have here in our house, which a lot of the time we were saying to each other that, you know, happiness is a choice. You can decide, you can decide whether to let things get you down and, and break you, or you can, you know, you can decide to to still be happy and still, um, you know, find joy in the everyday stuff and and rejoice in, in being present with your child. So, um, Kalut, highly recommend. I noticed that a number of the films are available online on YouTube or, or Vimeo. For people unable to attend the festival, are you going to make them available online in any collected way? We would like to do that. We do hear from a lot of people who can't make it to the festival and, uh, and we would love it if we could present the whole thing to people online. But unfortunately, a lot of our agreements with the filmmakers don't let us do that. They really, uh, want to restrict, you know, the access to their films and have it only shown on the big screen. And so we, we need to honor those agreements with them. Um, there are some that are available online and we're trying to, um, create a way to make more of the films available for people, especially after the festival is over. You know, if they weren't able to make it or they were only able to go, come for some of it, there was something they missed and they want to watch it afterwards. We're, we're really trying to work with some of these filmmakers in order to create a way to make that possible. Disorder, the Rare Disease Film Festival will run at the Mission Bay Conference Center on the UCSF Mission Bay campus in San Francisco, November 9th and 10th. Bo Bigelow, co-founder of Disorder, Bo, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.